It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to one day early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung Sung. I'm joined, of course, by the Losus with the Mostus, Nick Georgellis. Hey, how's it going? It's Los here. <laughs> oh, we got you. We're just messing with you. This is Mung, actually. Yeah, I fooled you guys. Doing a little bit of a uh, roll reversal today, apparently. Yeah, I just wanted to be Mung for one day in my life. Well, everybody wishes they had that opportunity. Yeah, well, I'm going to keep it going anyways. Uh, so, Los, uh, we're going to talk about a team who had a pretty big offseason. Uh, a lot of difference makers being changing teams. And this is the Philadelphia Eagles, of course, we're talking about. Wait, um, you mean, wait, you mean the Philadelphia Ducks? Uh, yeah, basically the Philadelphia Ducks. Chip Kelly has really uh, made this team his own, hasn't he? Wait, wait, Los, Los, what's the name of these segments that we've been doing? Quick snaps. No, quick Mung, snaps. You're quick to do snaps. Yeah, quick snaps. I, I, I yes. just want to say that that Los is doing a great job being Mung right now. He is it like perfect. Thank you. Thank you. I, I kind of thought so. Well, and Mung, like, Mung uh, did an adequate job right there as looks well. Looks like I'm not needed here. I'm going to take the rest of this episode off. Uh, Los can play both parts. Sure. So um, obviously what we're talking about is the massive motion in the in terms of the backfield. Uh, Sean McCoy getting traded away to the Buffalo Bills. Um, I know Los really likes LaShawn McCoy, not near as much as I do. but Oh, yeah, uh, I, I love LaShawn McCoy. You, you know me. Shady <laughs> McCoy, he's my guy. I can't keep doing this. <laughs> all right, all right. Okay, let's let's start let's start and talk about uh, Demarco Murray then. Sure. Um, he's still going pretty early in drafts right now. His average ADP, let's see right here, is actually about the beginning of the second round, about 18th or 19th overall. What do you think? Um, there, there's two ways to look at this. You're either a Demarco Murray uh, person or you're not a Demarco Murray person. Last year. Every year, he showed that he's a massive talent. He is a darn good running back. If he could stay healthy, he's when healthy, he's probably the third most talented running back in the league. And I put him behind um, LaShawn McCoy, I think, is the most talented back. He just needs a better situation. I think Adrian Peterson is the second most talented back. If we were going back a few years, AP would be the guy. And then number three to me, DeMarco Murray, is a mass mass talent he's so good it's just last year was the first time he could finally string together 16 games and stay on the field so you're either drafting him because you believe in the talent or you're shying away from him that early because can can you really afford somebody with that strong of an injury injury history as likely you're running back one and that early in a draft well here are my thoughts on murray i i do like his situation he went to arguably the only other team that has as strong of an offensive line as dallas did yeah uh the problem is we saw with Lashawn mccoy and chip kelly has even come right out and said it that he does not want to have a workhorse back he is he wants to split the carries between two guys because to him it doesn't matter you know what our fantasy teams do um you know last year part of the problem mccoy was actually a decent producing rb2 high-end rb2 or low-end rb1 
Um, but the problem was that he kept getting pulled at the goal line. You know, his usage was just so inconsistent. And now, now that Ryan Matthews is also signed in Philadelphia, I just don't know if DeMarco Murray is going to be a consistent enough fantasy producer to warrant his current ADP. That said, and I know a lot of people that were Sean McCoy owners um, know what know what I'm talking about. I, I was one of them. Seeing how much uh, Dar- value Darren Sproles uh, took away from him last year, he vultured a lot of carries at the goal line, which really didn't make much sense because Darren Sproles is so small. McCoy's not huge by any stretch of the imagination, but Sproles is a very tiny guy. Um, that said, LaShawn McCoy, despite not being a quote-unquote workhorse in Chip Kelly's offense, he was definitely a workhorse. He had 312 carries. It's just that uh, Sproles was in so much he stole so many of the catches out of the backfield that uh, that McCoy would typically get as well as those goal line carries which which still completely boggles my mind um, maybe he maybe he was just trying to force people to play pass defense by getting McCoy, uh, Sproles in there something along that nature he's an evil genius no matter what he knows what he's doing I don't know what he's doing just yet um, I think we can expect this same sort of weirdness going on in the backfield though between murray and um and uh, ryan matthews but i do think murray is going to hit somewhere near the the range of 300 carries still oh see i would easily take the under on that i think that ryan matthews is going to get worked on a lot more than everyone thinks i in fact uh you know speaking of ryan matthews uh, part of the reason I don't want to take DeMarco Murray at his current draft spot is because guys like Justin Forsett, Lamar Miller, uh, Frank Gore are all going after him. And those are guys that, you know, I know for sure are going to be the guy for their team. Uh, whereas there's just no guarantee like that for DeMarco Murray in Philadelphia. But I think the Eagles might just run enough offensive plays to make up for that because Chris Polk is not in that offense anymore. And that's 50 carries right there that you can allocate to Ryan Matthews. Yeah, but I think that it's going to be even more of a split than we saw last year. I think Ryan Matthews is going to get more than 100 carries this year. Yeah. And if DeMarco Murray gets hurt, that's most definitely the case. I think I and even if he doesn't get hurt, I think Ryan Matthews is a very good value play. He's he, I think off the bat, he's a solid he's a solid guy to start in your flex, and if Murray gets hurt, he's a solid wide uh, running back one until Ryan Matthews gets hurt, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, absolutely. I think that Ryan Matthews is a steal right now. He's going his ADP is in the 8th round and I would be comfortable taking him. You know, to me he's a 6th round value, so for me I would reach for him in the 7th round. I think this is a uh, I think maybe some of the times we've done this uh p- this pick 'em or who do you want game, it might have been a little egregious, a little a little obvious, but I think we need to really really key in on exactly what sort of backs we would take philadelphia's number two back over so could you run us through a few names sure okay guys who are going and now i said that i would take him by the seventh round so let's start yeah. with um arian foster is going somewhere in the late six yeah don't round. count him that's a whole nother case okay, okay uh chris ivory is going before ryan matthews in the late sixth yeah, I'd rather have Ryan Matthews. He he offers that same upside, and I would plug them both into the same role um, even before Murray gets hurt, Saying, assuming he does. Okay, what about LeGarrette Blunt? Sorry? LeGarrette Blunt. Bill Belichick just fiddles with that backfield too much. I'd rather have Ryan Matthews. So what about a guy I know that you're high on, Shane Vereen? Uh, de- still definitely Ryan Matthews. Okay, Danny Woodhead? Ryan Matthews, for sure. Alfred Blue. 
Right. Oh, I, I'm not a blue guy, but Ryan Matthews. What about your other guy, Joig Bell? I'd still rather have Ryan Matthews. Okay, so right now you're telling me that you value him similarly as I do. You know, by the late sixth round, we would rather have Ryan Matthews than all these it's, guys. It's crazy. I, I did a uh, I did a mock auction draft um, the other day, and I got Ryan Matthews um, really late. I mean, I guess the the spot where you take him doesn't matter, but I got him for in the one dollar round. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, an absolute steal for sure it's, at that point. It's craziness. Okay, so we agree that Ryan Banana Matthews... Land, to quote a great philosopher. <laughs> what? Spider 2Y Banana? Um, okay, so, you know, I think we agree that Ryan Matthews may technically be second on the depth chart, but he, you know, is probably the better value at this point in fantasy drafts. Definitely the better value. He's going way later. Murray's a second rounder. I, I could I could feasibly see him go in certain standard leagues in the first round even. Um, he does offer that sort of upside. But the Eagles just run so many plays that I do feel both of them will have playing value. Okay, so what about the last guy, Darren Sproles? Now, he may not get many carries this year, but Chip Kelly has come out and said again that you know, they didn't get him as much work last year in the passing game because he was the backup running back. But now that they have Ryan Matthews, they want to use Sproles all over the place in the passing game. Yeah, that was an exciting thing to see with, that they they were saying they, they would line him up at wide receiver they were considering. I think Sproles is the kind of guy that can go plug himself in anywhere on the I mean, not at lineman, not anywhere on the field. He can't play quarterback, but at any any of the skill positions, he can get plugged in and just run around and catch balls and make exciting things happen. Well, okay, so Darren Sproles is going in the 10th round right now. He's going right after Reggie Bush and right before David Cobb. Do you think that's early, late, or just about right? Reggie Bush, David Cobb. Um, I think that's. I think I'd put him somewhere near there. Um, let me say I'm more excited to watch him on television getting lined up everywhere than I am excited to own him on a fantasy team. Uh, um, they run a billion plays on offense, but half a billion of those are going to get filtered through DeMarco. No, two thirds of a billion are going to get filtered through DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews. And then they are going to feed the ball to Jordan Matthews. They're going to, they're going to, he's going to be stuffed. Like, you know, the, what they say before in the bills that they were going to feed Spiller till he, till he barfed. Matthews is going to be barfing every game. You said Jordan Matthews. You mean Ryan Matthews? No, Jordan, uh, Jordan Matthews. That's why I'm not as excited about, um, like Darren Sproles. Oh, I see. So Jordan Matthews out of the slot is going to take more of those underneath routes. So Darren Sproles in round 10, you're saying you would pass on him because of inconsistency? Yeah, I, I would pass on him because, oh yeah, he will get running back failure, but I would, uh, I, I would still pass on him there, yeah. Okay. I think if I can get him as my you know RB4, I'd be happy with that. Okay. Um, as an RB3, I'd be a little bit nervous on those bye weeks because you never know which week is going to be the week that he gets that receiving touchdown. Yeah, it's it's true. And as a very, very deep, and ho hopefully this doesn't happen because, I mean, this, this would be semi-disastrous. But if both, I mean, they do have a history. If Murray and Matthews both go down, Sproles becomes your lead back right there. And that's not the worst thing in the world. He He's really good. 
You know, I'm actually not sure if, if that would be the case. Um, I do think, you know, they've kept Kenyon Barner on the roster for a couple of years now, and, and he has he's one of those physical freaks. Um, you know, he, he returned that uh, punt return for a touchdown last preseason game. Um, he's got that crazy speed, so I think that he would actually be the guy uh, to target on the waiver wire. Okay, okay. Well, that's an interesting thought, too. Sure. Either way, Chip Kelly is going to make plays with a lot of these playmakers. Yeah, I mean, the the Eagles are going to be one of the most um, stacked teams in terms of having fantasy-relevant players, that's for sure. And exciting television, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I already got excited just watching them play the Colts in the preseason. Well, so don't get too excited. Wait. It's still the preseason. You don't want to get too excited too early, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I do, but I always like to finish first, so... Oh, well, you, you just don't get worn out before the Super Bowl comes. <laughs> Fair enough. There we go. Um, so, you know, let's talk about Jordan Matthews. He's definitely, you know, primed for a breakout year. He was a rookie last year, but he already exceeded all expectations in that Philadelphia offense. So what do you think about him this year? Right now, uh, Jordan Matthews is going, you know, late third round. I think he's another one of those wide receivers that they have. There's a ton of of wide receivers in that like second, I'll call it the second tier that a very similar value so that you can have the opportunity to wait on one of them if you want, but don't wait very long because once they're gone, it will be a drop off and a crapshoot. There are a lot of really good wide receivers that can get you great value for your team, whether it be a standard league or a PPR league. He's one of them. Um, You can, if you can afford to pass on them, and grab somebody a bit later, like uh, I think Cook is Cooks going after Matthews. No, Brandon Cooks is actually going about three spots before Jordan Matthews. Before, see those those are all the same sort of guys, and I I'm speaking both from a standard and a PPR standpoint. There's a bunch of guys that are a hundred catch potential candidates that are all young: Matthews, Hopkins, Cooks. Um, well, not not Benjamin anymore, but you know he was there. Uh, Evans, who I value higher than the rest of them, but still, same idea. Yeah, I, I think I would take Jordan Matthews before Brandon Cooks or Emmanuel Sanders. Okay. Uh, DeAndre but, Hopkins, that's a toss-up. I think either or would be just about right. But that's what I'm saying. Like, If you don't get one, you would be happy with the other, but you don't want to not get one of them. Sure. I, I think part of my over, overarching draft strategy is I do not want to reach for a an okay running back with with issues you know in that late third round I'd i agree grab a safe wide receiver if that even even if it means at the turn grabbing two of those good right good young high upside 100 catch potential wide receivers you definitely lock that in yeah i'll say i'll say this right now if you know even if i don't have a single running back for whatever reason and jordan matthews and deandre hopkins are sitting there at the two three turn for me i will take them over guys like joseph randall and latavius murray yeah definitely without question for me as well okay um so what are your thoughts on you know jordan matthews is definitely locked in for his slot role what about on the outside? We've got Nelson Aguilar, Josh Huff, and Riley Cooper. Um, in the order of how I would want them, I would definitely want the rookie Aguilar, then Huff, and then Riley Cooper. So, you know, Nelson Aguilar shined in that preseason game. He caught that yeah. crazy touchdown. 
Yeah. Uh, I think his ADP is going to start to inch up a little bit. Um, Even more than seeing what he can do in a preseason game, because the preseason doesn't mean all that much to me, except for, you know, hoping guys don't get hurt through it. The fact that Chip Kelly targeted this guy and wanted him, he knows exactly what he wants. And the league has not caught up to Chip Kelly just yet. That may change halfway through the season. That may be completely different next year. But the league has not caught up to whatever's going on in his brain. And Nelson Aguilar is going on in his brain, obviously, right now. So in the mid to late sixth, is that fine for you to take Aguilar? I think I think in a lot of leagues you'll be able to get him right there, um, and I think that's not bad. So let me ask you this difficult question then. We recently talked about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we both you know talked about how much we really love Vincent Jackson to bounce back this year. Sure. He and Aguilar are going right about the same ADP. Which of those two would you take? I would actually like Vincent Jackson for myself personally, just because he is proven. And I've seen so many rookies come in, you know, you get excited and then they fizzle out. There's that he still hasn't. I mean, I haven't seen one snap of real live NFL football from him. All right. So for me, you know, as much as I love Vincent Jackson, I think I would take Aguilar at that point. Okay. Okay. Because, and here's why. Vincent Jackson, even if he bounces back, gets a few more touchdowns than he did last year. His ceiling is what a mid-range wide receiver too, and that would be very optimistic. Yeah. Yeah, but you're drafting him as a as a wide receiver three, so sure, I think I that's pretty that. good. But at, for the same argument, if I'm drafting Nelson Aguilar as my wide receiver three, his ceiling is what Jeremy Macklin did the did last year, and that's a top ten wide receiver. I think that in the Philadelphia system, even as a rookie. Aguilar can excel. I think maybe in his career, his ceiling will be what Jeremy Macklin did last year. I, I really don't think that that he could that he's even going to touch those anything like that this year. See, I'm not so sure because call me crazy, but I believe in Chip's you know system, and if Aguilar knows the plays, and if Sam Bradford you know can get him the ball, I think he's going to make explosive plays. Yeah, I, I think his ceiling's more like what Jordan Matthews did last year, which is still good. Okay, so, I mean, obviously I'm a little bit higher on Aguilar um, than you are. I, I also traded up in our dynasty league, as you know, uh, to get you him. You did. Uh, so I, I definitely believe in the guy. Um, I think that he's going to break that uh, USC wide receiver curse. Yeah, well, he better hope he does. <laughs> okay, so, you know, do we need to talk that much about Josh Huff or Riley Cooper? I think those guys are going to see snaps, um, especially Cooper as a good run blocker. But I think fantasy-wise, you know, they're wide receiver fours, wide receiver fives. Uh, Riley Cooper isn't even a, a consideration in my mind. Um, Josh Huff, however, do you think – uh, if we bring up something we've liked to talk about before, wide receiver handcuffs. What do you think about Josh Huff as a wide receiver handcuff? Um, I actually like him a lot because as much as I'm high on Aglor, I, I will concede that there is risk that he's going to you know not play as many snaps as a rookie. And I think that Josh Huff has a huge amount of upside considering his ADP, which is in like the last round of drafts, which yeah. is insane to me. Yeah, exactly. I actually grabbed Josh Huff, I want to say, in round 13, um, and he is my wide receiver four in that league, and I'm perfectly happy with that because I think that Huff has a ton of upside, and that's what you want in those late-round picks. Now, in terms of this upside and this thought of, quote-unquote, a 
wide receiver handcuff. Um, so say, let's say Jordan Matthews does get hurt. So I sort of see Josh Huff sliding into his role, Riley Cooper staying outside, Nelson Aguilar staying on the other side. Now, do you think that will happen, or do you think actually Darren Sproles would be able to slide more so in the Jordan Matthews and Huff's keeping in his own role? Um, I think that Huff would slide into that slot role because I do think that while they've tried him out, you know, as an outside receiver, he is a, a better fit for the slot role. Yeah, he's he's played it before in his career. I think he'll fit in better there, and and that's that's one of the reasons that I, I'm not you know super duper uh, high on taking Sproles as as high as he would think he was because. As high as you were saying, because I'm not convinced that Huff wouldn't actually get the majority of the value there. All right, so we've talked enough about the wide receiver. Let's finish out with the tight ends. Uh, you know, Zach Ertz has gotten hurt, and he got surgery, although he is you know expected to be ready right around the start of the season. Um, yeah. What do you think about Ertz? Ertz till it hurts, baby. Uh, no, just, I, I don't actually think it's Ertz till it hurts. I think Ertz is just going to hurt you. Um, Selleck has shown that he's a superior pass blocker. He's more reliable. He doesn't get hurt all the time. He can stay on the field and help give um, help give Bradford or Sanchez the pass protection that they're going to need when they're throwing the ball that many times. If Ertz can get healthy, beat Selleck for, for the tight end one job, then his value will be actually pretty good. Um, but I, I just don't know that I believe that's going to happen. Yeah, I think that Ertz is underrated because even though he is used more of a blocker, uh, he does have the ability. You mean Selleck, right? Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I think Selleck is a bit underrated because even though he is used more as a blocker because he's exceptional in that role, he also catches the ball very well. Um, and I think that this is going to be more of a timeshare at tight end than a lot of people think. Uh, you know, the the Ertz hype train is going on, you know, a year and a half now. And I think that the problem is, is there's there's always a ton of ifs, uh, you know, if he can beat out Selleck and, and if Chip targets him more than Ertz could be a, a top five tight end. But that that's a lot of ifs. Yeah, I, I'm I, there are far too many ifs. I'm passing on Ertz. Um, he's uh I think his ADP has him as like a number, like number seven or six tight end or something like that, which is far too early for me. Yeah, no, I, I think I have him as my twelve or thirteen tight end. Yeah, definitely low end. I passed that for me until he show until Selleck gets hurt or something. And even then, there are so many options at the wide receiver that it, I mean, I feel like if he gets in there and then starts running around on the field, he's just gonna he's gonna really dilute the picture, and I don't think he's gonna take enough to really get the value you're going to want out of him yeah i think that people got um a little bit too enamored with zach Ertz after his game i think it was against the washington redskins late last season um, yeah the one where he caught uh you know double digit passes um and and people forget too that that was from mark sanchez who's not the projected starter he does not um necessarily have the same chemistry with sam bradford we have yet to see that but I think another thing that people probably don't put as much uh, stock into as they ought to is that just there's just some teams who don't have the ability to cover athletic tight ends. Um, you need athletic. Uh, you need either a really good safety or a really athletic linebacker in order to do it. And not every team has that. Yeah, I think that it's time to pump the brakes a little bit on Zach Ertz. Um, yeah. 
Also, just as a quick reminder, do not draft Brent Selleck. Just because he's the starter does not mean he's going to be fantasy relevant. Yeah, there's, there's, I can't say it enough times. There's so many nice little wild cards down there in the tight end position that where Selleck's not even remotely close to the conversation. So question for you, what, uh, where do you have the Philadelphia defense ranked? Um, I have them definitely in the top 10. They're, they're touching the top five. Yeah, I think that uh, a lot of people don't realize the Philadelphia defense, one, has a really good special teams unit in terms of punk, pu- excuse me, punt and kickoff return uh, touchdowns. Um, and at the same time, because of the up-tempo offense that Chip Kelly runs, uh, the, the Philadelphia defense is on the field for so much of the game that, if anything, they just have more opportunities to sack the quarterback, you know, to, to intercept a ball. Uh, and really, it's, it's a volume play defense. Right. And C, they score so many points that it forces other teams into passing situations a lot. So they will have the opportunity to, to pin their ears back and send their linemen straight at the quarterback. Yeah, and I actually even think that Byron Maxwell is a little bit overrated after what he did in Seattle. But, you know, they've definitely upgraded that defense, especially with Kiko Alonso also. Yeah, I mean, anytime you see Chip Kelly go out of his way to get guys, you know that he has a plan. Yeah, I honestly wouldn't be shocked if Philadelphia ends the year as a top three defense, even though they're being drafted outside the top five. Yeah, yep. All right, well, that is going to... oh. I'm sorry, we totally forgot wow. about the quarterback How did position. You, come on here. There, there's just so much to talk about with Philadelphia that, you know, sometimes you miss things. Yeah, and we and we missed the most important part, how Nick Foles is going to get traded back, reclaim the throne, and become <laughs> the QB1 in fantasy. No, but just real quick about the quarterbacks, we need to wrap up. Um, Sam Bradford, I think, if healthy, plays 16 games. I've said this before, top five quarterback. Definitely. If Bradford gets hurt, Sanchez will be sitting there. You burn that waiver on Sanchez. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Tim Tebow at all? Is that important? I think he's worth mentioning. A, because I love Tim Tebow. And two, because Amen. Chip Kelly says that he loves Tim Tebow. Look, I don't know what Chip Kelly has up his sleeve. The quote exactly was, Chip Kelly is, quote, increasingly excited, end quote, by Tim Tebow. Chip Kelly is a mad scientist. That's right. He is the yeah. NFL mad scientist. I have no idea what he's trying to do ever. Would you? Yeah. Okay, let me ask you a question. Would you be shocked or over under Tim Tebow five two point conversions this year? Who? Five? Can you make that wait? Three? Wait, did you say over under? Yes. I oh, take the under, over for three. I don't know. I th- I think that you know Chip Kelly could dial up some some crazy plays uh if if his team is down wait but you say, are you saying the difference. eagles over under five two-point conversions or tim, no, tebow? tim tebow no i'm saying tim tebow I, i'm not even convinced he makes the roster just yet but but so i i can't say that okay well let, let's just say that especially in deeper leagues i'm keeping a very close eye on tebow okay all right interesting um but sorry just real quick last thing about sam bradford i think he's an absolute steal right now he's going in round 10 after guys 
uh, you know, as we mentioned, after guys like Matt Stafford, Tom Brady, Cam Newton, and I think that he has the potential to outscore all of those guys by a wide margin. He's going after a number of backup quarterbacks, backup fantasy quarterbacks go, and that I just don't understand. That's insane to me. I, I think that purely for upside, you know, if he gets hurt, dump him. It's as easy as that and pick up Mark Sanchez. Yeah, you're not going to have to spend big on him. Yeah, and if you want, you can even, uh, with the deeper bench leagues, uh, you can burn a roster spot in Mark Sanchez all year if you really want to, to guarantee that QB1 production. All right, well, that wraps up the Philadelphia Eagles episode of Quick Snaps. Quick Snaps. Well, that was, that was a little creepy, actually. That was like a little girl ghost sing-songy voice. Come play with us. All right, Jared from Subway, call me. Oh, down. come on! Don't go there! <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, too easy, gosh. Too Looks easy. like Jared's going to be getting more than a foot long, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Don't you mean less? Hmm. Oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Last one, then, then I swear we're done. I heard, okay. I heard uh, what, what, you know, what, um, what is happening now to Jared that happened to him 10 years ago eating a lot of Subway? He can fit uh, into smaller know. pants. Oh. Uh, okay. Let's. Uh, mm. let, all right, and let's let's end it there. As always, uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, you can reach us on Twitter. I am at ffa underscore mung. That's M E N G. And with those questions, make sure that you hashtag them. FFAQs, fantasy football addicts questions. I'm at FFA underscore Los, Nick George Ellis, the Los. We were, of course, joined once again by our ultra mega super duper producer, Dan the Man Green, at FFA underscore D-A-N, Dan. And you like us on Facebook. You follow all three of us on the Twitter. You listen to the podcast. You subscribe. You download all the episodes, most definitely. Go back, listen to some of the earlier episodes, and see how right we were about so many things so far, especially how right I've been about things so far this year. It's uh, been a pleasure speaking with you always. Um, Dan, say goodbye. Say goodbye. Perfect. (laughs) Peace out. Thanks, addicts.